Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, good people around the world. This is the Black Hat Chat, collaboration between myself, Lee, and Rev Kai. I don't know which way I'm pointing. Yeah, that way. The right way, yes, there we go. And uh, yeah, this is uh, just two witches that get together every Friday around the proverbial kitchen table and talk about magic and witchcraft. And if you haven't checked out our links in the description, in the link tree, please do go do so. We are on... Discord and on Facebook as Wildwood Temple, which is a community that we've created. And we're also on Patreon and Ko-fi if you'd like to support us and get our bi-monthly reviews of TV series and movies. Meaning two which a month, I'm... not every two months, because that word means Yeah, months. I've always been confused about that bi-monthly thing. It means both. <laughs> English. Bad job. <laughs> Um, All right, so if you have got your chat on top chat, change it to live chat so you can see everything because it tends to filter some stuff out and give us a thumbs up because we like thumbs up. It helps us. Right. Uh, Did I miss anything? What? Oh, we're going to have to do a poll for the next... um, uh, public what's on the telly oh yes do you know do you remember what they are we're to the end of the month i don't remember but i can look it up because i write things down sort of you're, okay. you're good I'm, I'm bad all right so we just did um spirited away right I believe so. I think so. So now it is. Can check. Yeah, spirited away in Warlock. So now it is between Fate, the Wink Saga, and a discovery of witches. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right. So I'll put that poll in. As soon as, oh, I'll put it in your YouTube as soon as we're finished here. So between Winks and Discovery of Witches, I think I know which one's going to win that one. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Well, Winks was, was fun and interesting, but wasn't much in there. Oh, Deborah said, Deborah, hello a- and hi to... Hi to the People's Library, and Deborah said you can hear hear me today. Good, Good stuff. That was my fault. Uh, it was a systemic problem <laughs> on my computer. I honestly thought I was just losing my hearing worse and worse. 
because <laughs> I, am, I am partially deaf and I am losing my hearing. And so uh, then it finally got to where I could tell a difference between the computer and my phone. And I was like, that's, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I'll fix now. And next time I think I'm going more deaf, I'll check my computer settings. <laughs> <laughs> getting old's a trip man <laughs> great fun all right then so today we are discussing sex and death which is going to be a very interesting topic we do not discuss what we're going to talk about before these live chats so i've got no idea where this is going to go <laughs> me neither not at all oh I have been asked if we're going to talk about necrophilia. Um, that would be appropriate in here, although. It would be, but, but how difficult. does that work with witchcraft? Well, we could always go onto the left-hand path of Amamaga. Um, we used to have sex on corpses, not with corpses, but on corpses. Right, on corpses, yeah. Yeah. That's a little different. And. There was also, I've forgotten the name of it now, uh, there was a particular meditation that the Gorp did uh, on a corpse. And in some aspects it was to um, bring the vision of um, Kali. In other instances it was actually to grab hold of the, the, the deceased spirit. So... Yeah, some interesting things they did with corpses. Yeah. 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 All right, so we're probably not going to... Sorry okay, now that. we're going to start. Thank you very much. <laughs> it has been a severe mercury retrograde around here. I'm just saying. <laughs> Weird things have been happening with all of my communication devices, and i've been spending a lot of time in the garden because that is my best refuge for mercury retrograde like no i'm just gonna go put myself in the dirt <laughs> the ground as much as possible ground yourself and there's no technology here you go yeah well <laughs> I, I like to have uh music or podcasts or something when i'm out in the garden or, or listen to books because i can work longer that way and I've been fighting with that too. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> and I broke my phone the other day in the garden. It just yep. it's been it's been quite a Mercury retrograde. And today the sun goes into Gemini and I'm pretty sure we're gonna get uh Kazemi um as Mercury hits the center of the sun as they pass one another. I didn't actually look. I'm just thinking through the process that that's got to happen here sometime soon um, for rates and speeds. But I'm... Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be in the dirt. That's where I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. You can bury yourself and talk about sex and death. Right, right. <laughs> Kind of, kind of death. Eh, all that getting into the earth thing. Mm -hmm. so, oh, it is a practice of many people. 
Uh, Deborah said, so it wasn't me after all. I cannot hear low tones. So if it was me, uh, it was it was the technology. It was the technology. Yes. All right. So sex and death. Yes. Anybody have any questions? Um, we did a show on sex magic previously, and we did a show on necromancy previously. And I don't know if we answered everyone's questions from those shows or if anybody even remembers. Um, mm. But, you know, anything on those topics, it doesn't have to be the combination of sex and death. But these are taboo topics that I think get glossed over as, because they're taboo or they're so sensationalized that it's ridiculous it's not mm. even reasonable like you know um i think it's a gromorum verum that has the whole uh digging up the body and keeping the head and uh using the tongue for this and that and it's a it's a huge operation that's in there and it would require you to hang out with a corpse for a couple of weeks mm. and you know, that's, while we may uh, think that that was more possible back when the Grimoire and Verum was written, there's still uh, a lot of sensationalizing probably going on there for the time period and the area where it came from and everything else. I think the, the other thing with the Grimoires is usually that um, there's a lot of blinds that get written in written into them yes um a lot of things are actually representations of something else um you know like uh i'll mention some kind of animal which actually refers to a herb oh that's um, that's super common you yeah know, some of those very grisly um uh potion ingredient lists are just herbal lists like eye of newton toe of frog wing of bat and uh what of dog, hair of dog? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's, it's hair it, of dog. it makes a really good salad dressing if you add oil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but so does four thieves vinegar. They're really similar, mm -hmm. you know. So <laughs> a lot of these things that sound terrible and gruesome, it's just it's a secret, so you remember it. But it's also poetry. So you remember it, and you have to, you have to call things weird things. Kinnings are required in strict poetry rules. That's just the way it is, because it it's very hard. I mean, pull out your favorite salad dressing recipe and and just rhyme it. <laughs> One mm. cup rosemary, two cups basil. It didn't rhyme, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's no, happening a lot. Into something more interesting. Yeah. And I know about it from studying herbs and herb lore and everything else. And that was the first way I found that sort of thing in the Grimoire tradition. And then I found it um, through elemental correspondences where you'd look at tables of elemental correspondences. And there was that one line that just stuck out <laughs> that was obviously wrong, you know, stuff like that. And I thought, well, if it's blind over here and it's it's obscured over here, I'll trust the rest of this, you know, 
-hmm. I'm not going to believe that those two areas are where they put in the blinds and then the rest is absolutely true. (laughs) 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 Difficult to pick out what is though. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think um, death and corpses especially are one area in the grimoire tradition that are definitely mucked about with. Um, yeah. Because we see that bleed over into the, the herbal recipes too. Yeah, but I think it's also got to do with, as you said, it's taboo. Um, right. So, taboo. I mean, we've, we've mentioned in the past that uh, using something that's taboo can bring a lot of power because you are breaking a taboo, which does create a lot of energy. Um, but I think, yeah, when, once it doesn't become taboo anymore, that changes. It to does. a degree, too. To it changes degree. into something different. Um, but I mean, yeah, like Deborah said, what a combo. Yeah. So, I mean, if we look at death, death isn't an ending, it's just a passage into a different place, plane, phase in our existence, whatever. A majority of witches probably believe that mm. of some sort, you know. And I think sex can be used, you know, especially at the point of orgasm. You do, there's a release that happens. In fact, I think it's called, uh, I think the French word, if I remember correctly, actually means little death. La petite like that. Yeah, the little yeah. death. And it's, it's kind of that um, point where you get, you release yourself from your body in a sense, which is the same process that happens during death. Mm-hmm. and astral projection and everything else. But um, I think there's a significant crossover between those two aspects. Yeah, there's definitely a, a linking in many different mm-hmm. ways. Um, I think because they're so fundamentally connected to existing within a physical body. Mm. You know? You can't die mm. if you don't have a physical body to die in. I mean. You know, and sex is a an extremely physical, both grounding and rarefying process. Mm. Which, you know, same with death. Yeah. Uh, Richard asks, how do you employ death in your practice? Such a taboo and so to do. I compost. Have sex. <laughs> and compost. <laughs> We're coming back to compost. <laughs> Don't have sex in the compost. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think death is a part of everyone's practice. Um, but most people have not broken the taboo. Mm. Because everybody eats. Yeah. And in order for you to eat whatever it is you're putting in your mouth, something died. Or is in the Mm. process of dying in your stomach in the case of leafy greens and that sort of thing. But plants died in order for you to eat. Life consumes life. Most people are a little more aware when it comes to eating meat because they're aware that animals died. But most people are very, very divorced from recognizing the death component in their everyday sustenance 
And when we take prepared food and then offer it to the dead, there's this whole cycle death thingy going on there, you know. Um, so I think death is a part of everyone's practice, but you need to unlock the power in the taboo. Mm. I was actually reading something interesting um, written from a Hindu perspective. It was that um, what they found interesting was that Hindus are usually vegetarians, and when they die, they get put on a funeral pyre, a funeral pyre at mm. their smashan. Um, so what they eat in life, they then feed in death. So on the funeral pyre, they get fed back to the wood. Mm -hmm. Whereas Westerners are usually meat eaters and they get buried and they become food for the worms and the beetles and everything else. Then start that food chain. That's interesting. And it obviously helps the grass grow, which then feeds the cows. Right. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's cool. Quite an interesting perspective. There's so much fascinating stuff about how our ancestors dealt with bodies at death. Mm. You know, we have burials, we have cremations, we have entombments, we have uh, mummification and that preservation. We have sky burials, we have um, closed cremations versus open cremations. I mean, it's just... It's absolutely fascinating to watch the the movement of death customs just just dealing with the body because funerary customs on top of that are so vast and varied, but just watching that how people dealt with the body and of course that's gonna be influenced by environment. Has to be. Mm. You can't you can't mummify if you don't have a large supply of, of nitrate salt. <laughs> order or natron to do that with you know uh, but the way that influenced religious beliefs and spiritual and magical practices is those kinds of um body care things happened is just it's amazing to watch because it's one of the few things we can actually like track through archaeology bodies you know, mm. we're pretty good at figuring out that's a human body. <laughs> Sometimes we get it wrong, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know. No. I think one of the other ways we can employ death in the practice, one of the obvious ones, is to collect bones. Mm. Um, collect roadkill. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of witches do that. They collect roadkill, bring it home. Um, clean it off or put it in a anthill or whatever method they use and then use the bones. Yeah, I do, um, do not recommend slow putrefaction. It takes way too long and it smells way worse than you think it does. <laughs> Actually, concerning the smell, I remember many, many years um, something I read from Crowley um, was that you should take, one of the practices was to take something that you cannot stand, that makes you literally feel ill, and make it into something which is beautiful for you. Mm, yeah. And I, rem I remember developing that with, um, with rotting meat. Um, you know, nobody can stand the smell of rotting meat, and especially when the maggots get in there and everything else. 
Um, and it got to the point where I can I could stand around rotting meat and didn't have a problem. I actually thought it was quite a nice smell. Um, so you can change all these aspects. I mean, I think a lot of it is just a gut reaction. You know, we're told death is really bad, it's disgusting, it's gross. Well, um, but we can make it beautiful. I think part of that, especially with rotting meat, it's a, um, a genetic reaction too. It's something we inherited. Mm -hmm. We can't eat that and survive. Therefore, we are repulsed by it. Um, mm -hmm. And and that that I mean that's one of the main functions of us having a sense of smell, being able to determine what is food and what is not. Um, and the same goes for many many other mammals. And the fact that, you know, we're made of meat and therefore, you know, bodies get pretty gross pretty fast unless mm. you do something. And then not only are you grieving that your loved one died, but now you have this dangerous, putrefying corpse to deal with, you know. Mm. So I think that taboo is more than just social ideas. Because it's also, you know, dealing with death is not just death over here like a lump of clay. It's the existential threat of death, your own death and your own mm. mortality. And, you know, that really fits into that rotting meat, dealing with bodies kind of physicality that comes along with it, that you cannot deny that there is the threat of death involved in dealing with death mm. you know it's it's at once this very physical but also this very existential spiritual kind of experience no but i mean i know i'm going to gross everybody yeah um <laughs> people are probably going to start dropping off the chat now put down my if tea. You... <laughs> yeah you see i mean if you think of a um, a rotting body that has got maggots in it and it's just swarming with insects and maggots and everything else, it instantly just, everybody just reacts instantly as disgusting. But then you think of the life that's in that. I mean, yes, it's a dead body, but the amount of life that's in it is incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. And if you start changing your perspective, I think it can become something different. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I compost, not dead bodies, because mm. that's illegal. But Probably. It, it's also revolting, you know. But, you know, I when I was younger, I worked on a farm, and I butchered animals and put the blood directly into the garden because it's blood meal, and it's wonderful source of food for the plants, you know and take mm. the bones and turn them into bone meal and put it in the garden and that sort of thing. So it's still, it's still in there to watch that cycle of life mm. and death. And it's not just animal death results in plant life, but plant death results in plant life and plant death results in animal life. And when you get in there, whatever, entry point you take you really become immersed in the cycle and 
sex and death are the two big taboo points that are in the cycle no matter what mm -hmm. you know reproduction and the end the transition to a different form of life um we talk about that esoterically when we talk about death with you know modern christian ideas of going to heaven they're in a better place or going to hell they're being punished or whatever it is that's another form of life right but if you think about it very literally here is you know the the uh, arisal that's not the right word the coming to be of a new form of life immediately after death because we don't see it till we get to the maggot stage but there's bacteria there is you know life that starts consuming that death instantly because it's available mm. nutrients you know and, and in compost it's amazing to pile up a whole bunch of dead stuff and then all of a sudden you know life springs forth out of it it is just this abundant fertile chem it is the 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 life itself the cradle of all possibility and it's crawling with worms and beetles and bugs and all sorts of things mushrooms sprout from it it's just supporting all of the life in all of the ways mm. in fact that that whole transition period at the end the end <clears throat> um you know even if we think of it as a like walking through a door um you don't you don't just go from this point to this point in an instant um yogis act, a lot of yogis actually know that they're going to die six months before they're going to die mm -hmm. and because they can feel the energy starting to deplete so there's that whole period of transition that actually happens so it's not going from this room to this room instantly you've still got to walk through the doorway and through the door the frame so there is that in-between stage which, which can last, last like months actually yeah well you know sex and death are these potent points in the cycle and it's also why beltane and sawin are these potent points in the cycle yeah. and um i've been able to see death on people since i was a little kid always i don't remember a time when that wasn't a thing um see their death coming and I find that that six-month time frame is pretty accurate. It's like they're going around the circle and they get off on the wrong stop, you know? And instead of continuing into the regular loop, it's like they're going on a sidetrack and it still takes that long to, mm -hmm. to get around and get through, which I think is, is fascinating. Mm -hmm. that we have that kind of <clears throat> solar rhythm you know built into something somehow i don't know how that works why that works i'm sure there's mm -hmm. lots of theories but you know it's, i always connect i think that's why we have the wheel of the year because it is the big the big description it's a big compass that everything fits onto but then you don't understand those big esoteric concepts unless you have these concrete little experiences that you can actually hang your your compass on and 
death is something everyone goes through and you're like yeah, yeah. you can only go through it from one side for a while <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but you know initiation is also death yeah true it's also a little death yep yeah. um deborah asked do you think there is life after death you know we could discuss that question for a few hours uh, because it also depends on how you actually interpret the whole thing yeah um is there death to begin with i mean we use the word death to communicate but is there actually really death as we understand it because we understand death to be an ending and it's not an ending it's just a transition from one thing to another walking through the door and from one room um so you know is there life after death totally depends on how you interpret that <laughs> I, generally yeah i believe there's life after death um just for the reason that i have observed that phenomenon in every instance of death i've ever been around to experience something mm. grows and lives after something dies is it the same thing <laughs> i mean it is consuming the life force of one thing encapsulating and continuant you know are the drops in the ocean actually still their individual drops mm -hmm. um but you know the question does a person retain their personality agency and so on to live in an eternity of unchanging after a physical death eh, probably not I think it's a little more nuanced mm. and complex than that. You know, uh, I think we've talked about Caridwin soup. Um, yeah. I like that analogy. It's not a perfect analogy. There's things where it breaks down. There's other phenomenon. There's a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, um, I go back to my compost pile. There's a lot of stuff going on. Not everything breaks down at the same rate. Not everything transforms in the same way. Uh, some things need some grinding. Some things never break down. Avocado seeds. You know, <laughs> you know? And, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of transformation. There's a lot of different um, entities involved in that process. Things I can see and things I cannot. Things I can only tell are there by smell or by uh, feeling, by temperature. You know, there, it's, it's complex. It's very complex. And mm. I, I, I firmly <clears throat> believe in macrocosm, microcosm, and a holographic universe. So that's why I make things like analogies to compost to understand the esoteric life cycle of humans and all other life. You know, if there is a heaven, or is it just full of mown grass because that all dies every, when everybody mows it? <laughs> I mean, these are the questions I used to ask my Catholic friends when I was a kid. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, the other the other part of this is, you know, we we can speak of this in terms of a physical body and a spiritual body. Um, the spiritual body doesn't die. There is no death. Right. Oh, you saw someone who gave us ten dollars. Thank you. Um, you 
know, the spirit, there is no death for the spiritual body, there is for the physical body, but then it becomes something else. Uh, it feeds other life, etc., uh, etc. Et so, oh, big, actually a very, very big question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Ilani said, I believe in reincarnation. Um, interestingly enough, the Buddhists don't believe in reincarnation. I could never wrap my head around that and actually figure out what they believed in. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got well, a frog in my throat some more. And, and reincarnation is, again, there's a lot of different ways to understand that. It means mm. a lot of different things to a lot of different traditions and people. You know, um, some people um, feel that it's uh, one finite soul going to one finite body experience in a linear fashion. And, mm. you know, then there's the, the diffusing into the soup so that you could have 20 past lives all happening simultaneously and whether or not there's cyclical time and i mean it, it gets confusing and everybody has a different take on it but yeah generally i i believe in reincarnation i have a hard time believing that if we are imbued with the witch fire from the master and that is considered the connection that is the eternal fire, the spark of life that cannot die, that it dies. I mean, one of its definitions is eternal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, that can't go out, even though we need to ignite it, we need to fan the flames, we need to find it. That's what initiation is for. Um, it still continues on all the time in all the ways, which means the little worm that I find has got some witch fire in him too. I don't know if it's awake or not. I don't know if worms do their own kind of worm witchcraft. You know, if I, maybe if I give them more bones, that'll help. But <laughs> I think you can't, you can't have the continuation of the eternal fire mm. because I mean, it would there would be no eternal fire. It's eternal. That's that's kind of what it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let me go over to Jack because it's piling up. Uh, Larissa said, um, thinking about as a transition, I think helps ease most of the fear that comes with it. It can do. Yeah. Now, I think the fear that surrounds death in our modern society is... is um, definitely societally created mm. you know um everybody dies if you're born you're gonna die <laughs> everything dies how it works um useless familiar said a physical birth is a spiritual death while a physical death is a spiritual birth symbolism in kabbalah yeah mm. but also Vice versa, too. Mm. Um, Deborah, uh, Lee, remember when I told you briefly about how I contacted my niece's husband after he passed on? I know there is something going on before I saw what I saw. Um, I've got a very bad memory, so sorry <laughs> if I can't remember things. Um, Rovira Rovix, uh, hi, question, is hell real? 
place we go to and can someone sell their soul and lose it? Um, hell is very real to Christian people. Um, this hell with double L and the burning fiery pitch, etc. Very, very real for Christians, but uh, not for us. My um, hell's uh, real, but it's not that. <laughs> yeah, well, this was one L. Right. It's a different hell. Yeah. Um, and no, you cannot sell your soul and you cannot lose it. You can, it can get sick. You can mm. chip off pieces and stuff like that, but you can't go sell your soul to the devil. They don't want it anyway. No. Uh, it's not going to do anybody any good except you. So, yep. <laughs> the devil would just say, uh, I gave it to you. You keep me keep it. Thank you. <laughs> you keep it. Thank you. <laughs> um, also said, I believe in reincarnation. Death. Uh, what do you have to say about Book of Life? Which one? Which Book of Life? There's lots and lots in all, all traditions and religions. Yeah, lots of books of life. Um... People's Library, I personally think maybe we are the combination of several different spirits. So after death, I would guess each goes their own path. Well, that does come back to Koja and Soup. Yeah, we can um, explain it with that analogy. Yeah, but then all you do is you just get put back into the soup and get combined and mixed up again. Um, well, I so mean, I don't... In, in heathen thought, parts of the soul complex they are part of us but they are also independent entities such as the fetch and the hamingya and that sort of thing and they do continue on basically going their own way after we die because they we're not all bound together in the hum anymore <clears throat> you know mm -hmm. um so lots of different cultures lots of different takes on that how mm. that's broken up and how that's language too. Um, and uh, uh, Rivera said, "Okay, and soul fragments. Uh, it is there a limit to it? Uh, not sure what you're getting at. Like, yeah. are you going to have to just elaborate on that a bit?" So. Deborah brought up a good point of, of seeing a person after they pass on. And I think that's probably a fairly common experience for a lot of people. Mm. You know, and I think that's one of those reasons we feel that there is life after death, especially in a, um, the individual continues as we understood them. But I also think it's a perfect example of how spirit invocation works because we are familiar with the energy of this person in this particular form in their life to the point that we can think of the person's name or identity role in their, our lives and we get an image of them if you're a visual person or you might get the sound of their voice or you might get a smell whatever sensory stimulation comes naturally to you you're going to experience the corresponding sense when you just think of them and so after they have passed when their energy that is still fairly cohesive because i think you know like the soup analogy or the compost analogy 
a, a long time and a strong will in life builds a very cohesive matrix of the energy of whatever we are and it takes time for that to break down and unravel um so when that energy shows up and it's still very cohesive like it often does very shortly after death i mean within a month there hardly anything has changed you know um it takes a takes a good six months on the other side too um we can very easily experience that energy and create all of those senses that we do just like when we think of them and when we create those sense experiences we give the spirit the energy the person the opportunity to fill that astral impression that we are creating so the reason i bring that up is because in spirit invocation you know how important it is if you're doing it with a group you need to get everybody on the same page michael needs to look like this <laughs> not that mm -hmm. this and it's that same process we want that sensory astral imprint we're we're punching and they can fill the divot we made but if we don't all punch together <laughs> then it's just kind of a a wibbly wobbly popcorn ceiling mess right and nobody mm -hmm. wants to show up and have to try to you know imprint into that spirit wise or person wise or whatever so i think that well, my right foot's over here and my left foot's over here <laughs> right. this one's really short and that one i have an elephant head <laughs> you know <laughs> so um, but yeah. that experience, if you've had that experience of um, encountering someone shortly after their death, I know lots of people who, you know, are far away from someone who is dying and they turn up in their bedroom right, right when they died or right after, you know, that sort of thing. Because um, once you're not in a physical body, you don't have to be in one single location. You're not bound by time and space anymore, you know. You can be in multiple locations and multiple times if you want. But mm. that is that is the feeling, that is a sensation that goes along with spirit invocation. So if you can't, if you don't have any other way to experience spirit invocation, you probably have that. Mm. Yeah, I like to call that the phantom. Mm. So energy that gets left behind. And it's exact exact replica, personality, memories, everything. What always confused me, um, I experienced this mostly with my after my father died. Um, he was around for eight nine years. I uh, can't remember how long it was between my father's death and my mother's death. Um, and I used to talk to him often. And then two weeks before my mother died, he told me. You know, he's just been hanging around waiting for her. And that was like, as I say, eight, nine years that this entity, energy, whatever it was, was hanging around. And then after she died, they both went off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see him for a long time. Um, and then he came back again. Um, but that's different to that, that energy body. Uh, you know, the energy that gets left, left behind. But even that energy that gets left behind can remain for a long period of time if enough people are actually feeding it. Yeah. Like they would in Servitor or an Egregore. Yes. 
Um, so like a haunting story, you know, enough people are actually feeding that haunting story, that energy stays behind and gets fed the whole time. Yeah. Um, so there's some very interesting overlaps there. I I'm trying to remember the source of this idea, and I cannot for the life of me who said it or where I read it. But that energy imprint, um, they called it life investment or image investment. And mm. it's the the chunk of the mask we wear every day, the energy we put forward, the thing we've created to interact with other humans, not in a false way, just this is the energy that we offer up to other humans. We started it when we were babies. And it's an investment in life and communication. Everybody has this. And um, when we die, the first split that happens is that energy imprint as kind of like the husk of the body kind of sloughs off. And inside mm -hmm. we have the pure self, the divine light, whatever, the thing that has choice and free will and action and agency, that's still there. And it can still make another energy imprint. It can still make another life investment. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when, we get the the hollow husk it can be turned into a servitor and things like that if people keep feeding it if you keep putting life inside the husk it keeps doing the things but it has no agency mm. and i find that that is the phenomenon happening in the vast majority of hauntings and exorcisms i've had to deal with um because everybody's feeding it just by telling the tale of the haunting you know mm. Um, but then there's also the, the, the pure self that has agency that can decide what they want to do. Do they want to stay around and talk to you? Do they want to continue to invest in that life imprint? You know, that the way they had it before, uh, do they want to go travel the nine worlds? Would they like to move on to something like heaven? Do they want to be reincarnated? You know? Would they like to haunt a place? Because well, it happens too. <laughs> no. But, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, I think, and that's my technical behind the scenes mumbo jumbo UPG. Um, <laughs> what the hell is going on? How can we talk to our beloved dead? How can you call up, um, you know, Joan of Arc and, and have a conversation with her with necromancy? Um, why why is there always that period of death intense contact nothing and then they're back mm. you know there's always that spot in there and, and where it happens varies but there's always like they went away and then they come back and they're not they're not as smelly i don't know how else to put it they're not as invested in the physical as they were before mm. they're not necessarily less potent or less strong they just can't i don't know i don't know what that is <laughs> but they don't a have quality. the same connection they don't have the same connection with uh the physical yeah it's with, like with this place that we're in yeah. i mean there's also the question of if if a person dies and then they go through some kind of phase and then they get reincarnated into another body um, like, 
300 years later, how can we still contact them if they're now living in another body? What are we then contacting? Time's not linear. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I understand that question because I I get it often when I do Mm. um, seances and mediumship and that sort of thing. And people are like, wait, I thought you, you know, believed in reincarnation. You told me about my past life. I'm not that anymore. Like only because you think time is linear because you're in this body. Mm. (laughs) But you're that too right now, just like you're this too right now. And that, 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 that. Everything everything in your future, yeah. Yeah. Future. (laughs) (laughs) I use air quotes quite a lot on this show. (laughs) Especially when talking about time. Yeah. All right, let me get... Yeah, Yeah, I think we've... um, dug as deep as that grave will go at the moment um and i hope it wasn't as confusing as time's not real but it can get there especially when we start talking about the specific lore of different traditions like all of the soul parts in heathenry and how all that works Mm. and especially how that all intersects with magic you know Mm. so it gets confusing fast Many layers. Um, all right, let me go over to chat. Uh, Larissa asked, is that the same as seeing that person in someone else that's living? Would that be considered a visit or a synchronicity? Um, sorry if that doesn't make sense. Words are hard. I'm not sure what you ne- mean by synchronicity there. Seeing that person in someone We do, we do often sometimes say, "I can see." I can see X, Grandpa. Z and you. Yeah, I hear that. Well, I mean that's part of my family tradition like too, that mm. we reincarnate in the family and we're named after previous family members and inherit their traits and their strengths and that sort of thing. And that's an important part of the process: is an elder in the family sees someone in you. Hmm. You know, but I've also had random experiences where like I'm on the bus and some lady comes and talks to me and it's my grandma, but it's not, you know. (laughs) Mm. Just random. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that has happened with a God once too. And that was, that was freaky. I vomited a Mm. lot. But, you know, so mm, wibbly wobbly things bleed through. (laughs) (laughs) Reality is a thin veneer. There it is. Uh, Hang on, Larissa Larissa added to that. Um, Like you go to the store and meet someone and that person looks exactly like someone who passed away months ago. Um, Like, was I visited? Was that just random? I think that's the same question as, is this an omen? It's an Mm. omen if you asked for an omen. It's contact if you asked for contact. Mm. Um, It might just be random. It might be you're thinking of the person and you bring up those traits and therefore, you know, 
humans don't process faces once we reach 13. <laughs> you mm -hmm. look at more than 13 people, you don't actually see them. Really? Really. We just mm -hmm. kind of sketch out it's a face and it's human enough. That's all that our, we really have time to process with that amount of information. And that can be all at once or that can be in a very short time. And very, very often, we just kind of fill in something close. They look like this person I know well, they get that face and so mm. on and so forth because we really don't hold on to all of those details and that information. So, well, then we, then we can get down to the energetic and say this uh, person's face, well, person doesn't really have a face, do they? Right. We just create it. We create the reality that is that face. So, yeah. you know, what, what, do we, what we might actually be seeing is the energy of a person that's um, intersecting with somebody else's energy for a while. Yeah. And we then, our brains put that face onto that person because that's the energy we're, we're actually seeing. Right. The same as it's, it's the sensory impression we made that can be mm. easily filled, you know. But, and, you know, all of these kinds of questions, there's not a single answer. Mm. Um, because the actual happening is full of variables and very nuanced and depends on a whole lot of factors. I hate to just keep saying, well, it depends. Well, it depends. Um, mm. But uh, the world is not black and white and terribly simple. You know, the, it's not death and then you line up at the gate and somebody checks your card and he's like, that line, hell, that line, heaven, that line, hell. You know, <laughs> Nothing in life appears to be nearly that simple. So mm. I do not have reason to believe that the afterlife would work like that either. Larissa <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, okay, so I can equate that happening as random or my question was answered. Thank you. That makes more sense. Okay. So we've got uh, a couple of other people making questions and we are going to go on, on a break because I want more hot chocolate. <laughs> Because it's finished. That's, Look, it's empty. That's how we time our breaks, you know. How yeah. fast Lee drinks his hot chocolate. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go on a quick break. We will be back in a couple of minutes. Uh, if you haven't, check out the link in the description, the link tree for Black Hat Chat. Find us on Wildwood Temple and on uh, our support channels. And, uh, and go over there. Tell me while we're gone all of your experiences with meeting dead people because I find it fascinating and I want to know. <laughs> but we also need to come back to the sex part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't share those experiences in chat. So. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> all right. We'll see you just now. Welcome back to the Blackout Chat. Today we are talking about sex and death. Well, most of you have been talking Mostly about death. death. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's just let's just go back to the comments first. Uh, Richard said, "Well, my brother visited me two weeks ago, and he had some stuff we had to work out. After that, nothing since." Did you work it out? That's the question. Yeah. Um, and Yolandi said, "I still get messages from my uncle, who was like father to me, thirty-one years after his death. We were very close in life." Yep. I can carry on communicating with them. Yeah, I I really do think it's choice i think they choose uh uh deborah said uh well uh leave it to lee to want to go back to the sex part yes of course have to go back to the sex part um all right let's get back to sex and death then it really is as you as you mentioned much earlier on um it is the axis. It's the it's Beltane and Selwyn. I mean, at Beltane, we are running around naked in the fields and the forest, drinking lots of mead, having orgies, and drinking more mead. And at Selwyn, we are drinking mead, celebrating the dead, and drinking more mead. That's um, what pagans do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a holiday about sex and there's some feasting? Be a pagan. <laughs> You get eight of those. (laughs) So, I mean, in that that regard, it is, um, I mean, sex for procreation brings life one part, one phase, and then we come all the way through to death with the next phase, and that cycle continues. I do think something that is important to think about in terms of sex and witchcraft is human reproductive sex i.e. heterosexual sex is what is almost always alluded to in a lot of pagan magical rites holiday celebrations that sort of thing and you know i think sex is is a flashy word it's a taboo word but i think we would be better off if we understood that as reproduction and fertility We talk a lot about we're a fertility religion, but to understand that in only that limited human reproduction kind of way is limited. It's not going to do us well to um, expand our understanding of our universe and make us more competent, uh, connected magicians. So I think if we think of that as reproduction, and I'm going to go back to plants, I'm a plant witch, um, but you know, Angiosperms have sexual reproduction. Um, They have stigmas and uh, they have ovums and the pollen has to get in the ovum and fertilize the the little seed, egg, ovum, and grow into a fruit. And then the fruit has to die and nourish Mm -hmm. the seed for it to actually, what we would think of as be born, to see life spring forth. You know, so there's this whole cycle within cycle if we follow it in plant life. And we can follow it in all sorts of other life. You know, there is asexual reproduction. Um, we think of the the um, divine twins. We can look at the splitting of cells or the s- splitting of um, single-celled organisms to understand that metaphor in another way, that echoing of the self that 
uh, one becomes two, but they are the same, but now they are different simply because they are finite and bounded. And that bounding, that binding into separateness is what we call life, but it's also what makes death. So, you know, that's why Saturn is the end of things. Saturn is the limits and, and death, the chronocator. But it's the thing that gives life because it's the thing that says there's a limit. There's a container. You know, this unit is separate from this unit. You can count them. Mm. Um, Craig said hi. Hi, Craig. Hello. Glad you could join us. Um, and I mean, to come back to fertility. Um, as you said, I mean, we, we mentioned the word fertility and we immediately think of human reproduction. Um, but we can have, I mean, fertility is about abundance. We can have fertility in our business. Mm -hmm. And we can use sex magic to bring about that fertility. I think, I think in order to really be able to tap into that fertility magic, that abundance magic, you have to have a bigger view than human reproduction. So how many people have nice. I heard talk about don't do fertility spells at Beltane because you'll end up pregnant? Like you, uh, there's a big taboo. You can't do like money fertility spells at Beltane because the only channel for that energy is human reproduction. And I think that's not a great way to work. I think you should have a, a bigger, broader understanding of fertility and reproduction and sex, which is what this point really is about. Mm. But there's another aspect here, and that is pleasure. You know, uh, like we talked about La Petite More, you know, the kenning for an orgasm in French, a little mm. death. That pleasure, that in dwelling um again drive um that can be said to be pulling attractive just like death can be repelling and repulsive that we think of as deeply programmed within us and this is still including people that are asexual because it doesn't have to be sexual reproductive attraction mm. you know it's still the drive for pleasure, the, the attraction, and the fact that attraction is mixed up with fertility and repulsion is mixed up with death should set up some pretty easy understandings about how a compass works, right? So those two are entwined. Those two are built together in our physical experience of life mm. and death <laughs> of existing <laughs> and <laughs> that little key of that complete understanding of both ends of those poles will give you the option to work a wider variety of magics and a wider variety of approaches and applications because you have access to sex and death you have access to pleasure and repulsion you have access you know to these energies because you exist in a physical body. And therefore, if you can place them well within your compass and you place yourself well, ta-da, you can do magic. Mm. You know, Lady Capra said, I, I guess you are. <laughs> <Not> you naughty. 
Um, I just want to say, if I do disappear, thanks everybody for the chat. Uh, it is thunder and lightning and raining here. Knowing this area, my electricity is going to go poof. I already got disconnected from the chat once. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, Hopefully yeah. you don't go poof, because this is a good conversation. It is a good conversation. I don't want to go poof either. Thank you very much. I like being here. <laughs> <laughs> We just said death doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, no. Bye. <laughs> so, um, on our show about sex magic, we basically talked about methods, I think, and some applications. Mm. Um, but, you know, the applications are quite varied. Um, because this is one of the, the potent ends of the wand, um, just like death is the other one. Uh, and we were just talking about sigils last week. And one of the most common ways to activate sigils, to charge sigils, to disperse them, whatever, do the thing besides the creation part that we did last week is sex magic. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, this this topic can go in many, many different directions. I oh, mean, yeah. I mentioned Verma Maga. Um, I mean, there's a whole aspect of raising Kundalini and, you know, when it you get to Shiva, Shiva is, is death. Mm -hmm. um, you have to die. And it's death in a particular sense. When we talk about uh, Shakti or Kali, um, she has the necklace of skulls around her head and eight of them are smiling and that's actually and she chops your head off mm. i mean it's a kind of death but it's it's a representation because it's it's death of um i can't remember what's called them now it's the eight oh, i've the, the term for it um it's like lust um greed what, what the christians would call the vices? seven deadly sins Vices, yeah, vices. There's another term for it, though. Anyway, oh, um, but it, it's the death of those those mid, aspects. I should know this word. The anti, uh, yeah, uh, need, no. Yeah, I remember either. Um, and with the, mid, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but like the the arms around her her waist, and you know, actions yeah. of skirt. That's cutting off the arms of karma. Um, so there's all these representations of Shakti and Shiva. The Niyamas. And there's Niyamas, there you go. The Yamas and the Niyamas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even, even, sorry, carry on with this topic. Um, where we see um, Kali standing on um, Shiva, and Shiva's lying on the ground, and everybody seems to interpret that as Shiva being dead. Mm. It's actually Shiva is sleeping, and she's got one foot on him, and she's kind of kicking him with the other foot to try and wake him up so that he can awaken <laughs> into the aspect of being Shiva the god. <laughs> so, initiation! You know, <laughs> yep, initiation. Another death. So, yeah. All these representations of death and whatnot. Um, yeah. I just went off on a tangent there, I think. Well, 
I think sex and death, and, and because we are so familiar with those points, you know, you can go around the circle and hit the points and go around the circle, but there's a very strong connection. You can, you can jump. <laughs> you can, mm. you can take the shortcut across the middle on this line, on this relationship. No. All right. Everybody, let us know your questions. Did we talk too much? Did you go to sleep? Yeah, no. Chat's gone very quiet. Yeah. Or or neither of us are seeing. <laughs> you have <laughs> storms and I have mercury problems, so <laughs> Well it does actually tell me that my chat connected, oh, that's, so I know that's and then good. it says successfully connected, so I know it's been reconnected. That's so. good. That's good. Hopefully, hopefully I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. What else? I wanted to say um, I was talking about the questions that aren't black and white that don't have good answers because the answer is always, well, it depends. Mm. I wanted to say that's not a reason not to ask those questions. In fact, it is a reason to ask those questions all the more. Because often it is the unexamined questions that we assume we know. We assume that there mm. is a decision on. Um, and worse than that, we assume what other people think. We assume mm. a majority opinion. Um, and that's just the way we have to operate as humans. We can't examine every single detail of everything we ever come across in our lives. We have to take things on basically consensus and a majority opinion. One of those things we take on consensus is the idea of linear time, right? Everybody agrees that today is followed by tomorrow and 2 p.m. comes before 5 p.m. But as magicians, we know, well, it depends. <laughs> so all of those questions, it's so important to keep asking them and keep finding them. It's like unearthing little berries on a bush. Ooh, I found a question. And then you get to examine it. You get to taste it. You get to puzzle out the possibilities. And uh, especially um, early on in your research, you probably get to compare amongst multiple traditions. Like, what does reincarnation mean over here? What does it mean in Hindi? What is the idea? Well, what about, you know, samsara and the idea of reincarnation in Buddhism? Well, what about it in Maharani Buddhism? Well, what about it in Shinto? Mm. And so on and so forth. And as you examine those fully fleshed out flowers of mythology around this core idea, you'll come to hundreds and hundreds of ideas that you can then experience, uh, play with, judge, uh, accept, reject, incorporate, set aside for the moment, you know, to grow your path and figure out what you're doing and where you're going. Yeah, because none of them are right and none of them. Um, well, some of them are wrong. No, I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know. Are they? Really? We would create our own realities. True. But I think wrong in a moral sense, not in a oh, correct yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Um. But the re we have right and wrong. Again, here we are with words that mean two things. And 
they're deeply connected. You know, mm. do we have responsibilities as conscious awoken beings connected as part of the divine will of the universe to move the consensus of reality towards a moral rightness? Most people would say yes, even if they mm. haven't thought about it before. And therefore, we have some belief systems, some ideas about death and things like that, that many people will say are wrong because of their contradiction with their idea of their responsibility of moral rightness. Mm. So wrong for you doesn't mean wrong for me, but there's still, there's still right and wrong, but there's not correct and incorrect. Yeah, it does get very confusing though. I mean, if you think about it, you have so many different viewpoints and ideas and mythologies about one particular thing like reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Is there actually one real, air quotes, real thing that actually happens when we die? Truth with a capital T. <laughs> Or does it all happen? <laughs> Which one is right? Por que no los no dos? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Mm. All three. Yes, no, maybe, yep. and some other option we don't know about. It's lurking right behind you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So it's impossible. my best illustration for this is have an experience with four or more people, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Go to the park, watch a movie, um, you know, pick some flowers, have an experience with four or more people. Wait two weeks, ask everybody what happened. Get different answer. You will get very different answers. You'll get very different answers immediately after it happened, especially if it involved any sort of adrenaline or startle response or anything. That's why eyewitness testimony of things like Rex is pretty much useless. People don't know. They can't recall. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they just saw, but they know they just saw it, but it's wrong. So well, that's the filters in our brain. Right. So how, how are you going to know what happens after death? Truth with a capital T. Because hmm. I mean, the one the one thing is, uh, one tradition will say yes, but X, Y, and Z went through the whole process of death and death and rebirth, and came back and told us what happened. So this is the truth. Right. But then another tradition said does exactly the same thing, and it's completely different. They all came back. So both true. I mean, we cre <laughs> we probably create yeah both true because we create our own reality here. Yeah, so. Nothing to say that we don't create our reality, own reality beyond that point of death. Many people, um, many cultures talk about the point of life is to live. It is to experience. You know, we are mm. Godhead experiencing themselves. We are the universe exploring the concept of experience. And therefore, a multiplicity of experiences and realities is the point. Mm. that it's it's there by design you know it, it is fractal complexity so if person a has x experience and person b has y experience and we go but they don't match 
if the point is to have a bunch of experiences, why would they match? Why would that, yeah. why would that particular situation be of great benefit to the great ineffable plan, uh, the overarching process of the experience of life itself? Mm. It's one body experiencing as many possibilities as they can possibly experience. And I know that kind of shoots the scientific method in the foot, right? Because we need to test and replicate the same experience in order to prove something true within the scientific method. But it's also done not a good job at figuring out life after death. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> this particular method can't seem to do that mm. uh, you know and that can be for good or ill depending upon how much the scientific method is part of your religion yeah maybe they'll one day invent a GoPro for spirits the GoPro, <laughs> GoPro that can go through volcanic you know uh, vents underneath the ocean you know, 600 pounds of atmospheric pressure and now crosses the boundaries of life and death by GoPro 7.5. Yeah. <laughs> now we can see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody will do it and they'll be like, but you didn't put an otter box on it. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. There's a squirrel in my brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it created a GoPro commercial. <laughs> See, it's gone very quiet. Oh, look, Lady Caperistolia. Expect four to six weeks for shipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, was that Julian? Julian, rather great. Um, must be the iPhone 28 version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you didn't install the right software, it's not going to cross over where you think it is. You're going for Egyptian, but you ended up with, you know, northern Sami life experience. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take my money. <laughs> right? I think that would sell very quickly. <laughs> it would. <laughs> I wonder how they test the patent on that one. We could actually do that. I mean, all you have to say is it will take a hundred years to get the the results for <laughs> the data back. Um, uh, so you know, we can prove it after that period. Yeah, <laughs> we find out it's actually sending projections to some poor person in the ice age who's sitting in a cave screaming about the visions <laughs> they cannot understand. Oh, no. I don't know what's okay. going on. It's a little shiny box with an eye in it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Just <laughs> completely lost the track. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is that where visions well, come from? <laughs> well, welcome to the Blackout Chat. Today we're talking about sex and death. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> All right then. Um, Julian said I joined at the best time. <laughs> you did. Yep. 
You got here for the goofy part. (laughs) 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 Okay. Right. What does everybody want to know about? There you go. We'll just ask those and then people over there. (laughs) Well, applications to magic. If you think of sex as the attraction, fertility reproduction, as hooked up with the attraction pleasure process, it becomes very clear that if you want to attract something, then you use those methods, right? You're not going to use death methods to do fertility attraction magic. That's why we can't think of necrophilia magic stuff. Mm. We can think of sex near death, right? Um, And if you want to repulse something, or you want something to go away, or you want something to change form, transform, then you use death-related type magic. Because it's doing the thing. It's already the energy. So, you know, there's an immediate answer for how do I accomplish this thing? Mm. Sorry, my cheek muscles are sore now. We laugh too much? Oh, no, man. You don't get enough laughter in your life. That made your cheeks sore. Three hours a day. Just like orgasms. No, I'm kidding. I'll try. (laughs) Orgasms for three hours a day. That would be fantastic. Good for the heart. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yolanda said I'm seeing caveman. (laughs) (laughs) Caveman drawing a GoPro. That's awesome. No, that's I think awesome. Very goofy part is the best. Yes. Uh, that was always, um, always a joke in my college. You need at least three hours of orgasm a day to be a healthy growing boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the People's Library. Um, I want to see you guys talk about Freya. Uh, actually, she is associated with sex, death, and magic. Uh, perfect for today's topic. I would say yeah. many. Um, Witchcraft goddesses are associated with sex, death, and magic. It's a pretty common combo. Pretty common mm. combo. Yeah. I mean, no, Hecate definitely has. Hecate, Freya, uh, Kali, Kalima, um, you know, lots and lots of others. Aradia, Inanna, uh, Ishtar, mm. Rashkigal. Um, I'm sure there are many more. It's my. Brain oh, there's lots of moss. Um, I'm, so, I'm trying, trying not to talk about runes because we're going to do that next week. Yeah. <laughs> With Freya, 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 Freya and that aspect there, yeah. After, after uh, last week's sigil uh, uh, creation talk that we spent half of it talking about runes, we're going to do a show actually about runes <laughs> next week. <so. laughs> um, but this interrelationship that we've talked about, this uh, fundamental polarity that is um, duality born of unity, which, I mean, what else is reproduction, right? Um, and unity that returns to duality, what else is death? Um, links these things so terribly fundamentally that it is no surprise that every culture 
pretty much has a goddess of sex, death, and magic. Mm. You know, it's a magical thing. I mean, a lot of people go to uh, human reproduction and pregnancy and um, the risk of death and mortality involved in that process um, and the risk of death and mortality for infants shortly after they're born, you know, that 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 life thing doesn't always work out long term. Um, but it's so much more than that, as we've talked about, that we need to have a broader view of sex. Um, we need to have that that larger incorporation of the idea of reproduction, fertility, abundance, you know, and it's reproduction is the the growth and expansion and death is the contraction and lessening but they're really the other thing too <laughs> you mm. know um so i think just being human we have to have goddesses of sex death and magic because sex and death are magic they are um one of the easiest doorways in to effective magic um, because they're taboo. And uh, that's why they're taboo is they're powerful. But everybody's experienced mm -hmm. attraction. Everybody's experienced repulsion. You know, even if you have not experienced um, sex in the way that it's usually thought of or death in the way that it's usually thought of, babies hours old have attraction and repulsion you know it is a human experience it is part of our our essence of being in this world mm. and it uh, Julian, so, yeah i'm sorry okay. i was gonna say it, it pokes at reality very well it mm. pokes at that consensus facade um both ways mm. Uh, Julian also said uh, there is a kind of paradox to sex and death. Paradoxical nature always leads me back to Hecate. You know, that goddess aspect again. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Hecate is the triple goddess uh, of the three worlds. I suppose. Give that aspect to sex, death, and magic being triple. Yeah. Well, all monads are actually duads, and all duads are actually trines. Yeah. And it works the other way, too. Two is one, and yeah. one is none. So. Yeah. Well, something's got to come from nothing. Yep. Uh, Salford Mage uh, said sigils, death posture, or sex magic. Depends on whether you're attracting or repelling. Well, both methods are there to get you into a trance state in order to transfer the sigil to the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Just depends on the method that works best for you. Death, death posture is extremely painful, and the pain brings about trance. Sex magic brings about trance because it puts you into... It, it's more of a focus, really. An altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody having sex, I mean, anybody can realize that when you're having sex, there's you're not thinking about anything else, unless it's extremely boring sex. Um, but usually, 
you are focused purely on the act of having sex and everything else disappears and that that act in itself can actually bring on an altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. um so the death posture just does the same thing you hold yourself in a particular position which becomes extremely painful and extremely exhausting and exhaustion there you go yeah both message methods bring about exhaustion at the end of the day well that's because uh, they're they're both highly physical i mean mm-hmm. if you think of the eight paths to power um they're all physical stimulation of some sort physical involvement um and which makes sense if you want to to do something in the physical you're going to need some input of that energy but mm. sigils are such handy tools because they're so versatile um and you don't have to use sex or death flavored magic with sigils but it works it mm. is it is definitely an option Actually, just to point something out here before, because we'll probably never get there. Death posture, there's actually three death postures that um, Spare talks about, and one of them is simply sitting in front of a mirror and gazing at your reflection Mm. on your one eye. So that particular death posture actually does not bring on um, pain, but it is death posture in the aspect of you you have to become so still that you are represent you are representing death in a sense, if I can put it that way. I'm not sure how to put it. It's just that stillness. It's physical stillness. Yeah. Not just mental mental stillness. Yeah, the death postures I was thinking of are the ones where you slow your breathing and you slow your heart rate down. And you push mm. your your physical signs smaller and smaller and less and less. And of course they're people who are advanced meditators that, you know, people thought they were dead. That's how they got called death mm. postures because of this, again, altered state of consciousness. Um, mm. And it's just different vibrations. It's different frequencies um, that, that move along. And you might as well start with a frequency that broadly aligns with your intended goal anyways, you know, mm. Uh, let's have a look. Craig said sex, death, and magic would be Mama Bridget in Haiti. Um, Salford said facts Lee plus post-nut clarity. Hmm. And para high energy concerts, roller coasters, bungee jumping, etc. Yep. There's lots of things that can bring altered states of consciousness. And many that can be explored. Yep. Well, and if we just think about attraction, you know, um, think about hyper-focus. When we get into that flow state, we are so into whatever activity, um, because we are so attracted to it and it's pleasurable, you know, we're enjoying it, we're having a good time, that all else falls away, we, we entered an altered state of consciousness. Which is another mm-hmm. way to charge sigils, even though we wouldn't necessarily think of that as sex magic, because we're very focused on this human reproductive act. 
as the totality of sex magic of that point on the compass and it's it's just too big to can be only that you know mm. but that that hyper focus flow state that's part of that attraction energy too no i'm trying to actually recall um probably didn't come up with originally um the roto Right, let me go find it. Erotoco lucidity, I think, was it? Yeah, erotocomatose lucidity. Sounds like a Crowleyan term. Yeah, but originally, yeah, um, but it was a, it actually came from um, Pascal Beverly Randolph, mm. who called it the sleep of uh, CLM. Um, it does, I mean, if you go into it, it does have some aspects of a, a death aspect, really. I mean, you've got the comatose part. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it does involve um, arousal. Uh, just my brain's just kind of trying to touch on or remember something about it. Being a combination of sex magic and having an aspect of death. Too. Ugh, I'll have to read through a load of stuff now to find that. I'm not going to bother doing that. We'll do that at a later stage. We'll pop that on the Discord. <laughs> yes. Uh, now I've lost the window. There we go. There you're back. We're all back. All right. <sighs> Does anyone else have any questions or comments? Um... We have talked roundabout and off the topic with our necromantic GoPros. <laughs> I don't want to miss anybody's anybody's questions if anyone has one. And of course, you know, if you're listening to this or watching this and it's not the live, leave us a comment. Join us on the Discord. Um, we don't mind it when you bring up old shows seriously. Um, so. You know, just just ask if you want to ask. We'll probably do another show on it, and we'll talk about it some more because that's where all the interesting things happen. Mm -hmm. um, Julian asked, uh, "We know Saturn governs death, but can one truly agree on one planet, sex, Mars, Venus, other? How do you re how do you feel about the planetary associations with each in connection with sex and death?" I'm going to hand that one over to you because you're the astrologer. <laughs> um, well, Mars and Venus are kind of a pair in that sex. They are both involved in sex because we often assign pleasure and attractiveness to Venus. And pleasure and attractiveness, Venus's symbol is the hand mirror. Venus holds the mirror that reflects what we value, what we find attractive, what we desire. Mars is when venus reflects mars action passion then that is the active portion of sex and fertility um that is the i'll go get it that is the bringing it into the physical form because we have again two into one and one into two two into one is the sex side of things the blending of two into one and so it is represented by two things that then unite to make one 
And so, astrologically speaking, that's Venus and Mars. That is desire and action. That is value and passion. And it's very easy to, again, break that down into human reproduction. But I urge you not to narrow the focus so far. To keep those broader concepts. But on the death side of things, we're going the other way. We're going from one into too many more. Um, because if you go further steps, of course, two becomes four, becomes eight, so on and so forth. It's a fractal system. And our life point is the, the narrowing down the meeting between the explosion of fractals and the negative and positive infinities. So Saturn is death because it is the last planet we can see. We didn't know about all of the stuff we need a, a telescope to see until we had telescopes, right? That's why those are all the big transpersonal planets. They're not related to us. And once we experience the one, the ending of the one, right? We have the beginning of the one here, the ending of the one. We don't know what happens on the other side. <laughs> so we don't see the two that is the split from Saturn, although there are lots of mythologies about what that is. Um, you know, we have the two-bodied signs for Saturn that are confusing. Aquarius is an air sign that bears water. It is the water bearer. And Capricorn is a, a mermaid goat. <laughs> I mean, it, what a combination, right? But, but that mermaid goat is also the mother that then wraps back around to the other side that is the opening. So the one became two immediately, but in a different embodiment. So mm -hmm. Venus and Mars for sex and Saturn for death. And hopefully that was not super rambling. Deborah <laughs> <laughs> uh, did mention that turn ref class speaker volume up. I can turn that up a bit. Uh, anybody else having a problem hearing any of it? Just let us know. Well, I say uh, that. My screen just locked up. Bless you, Mercury. I love you too. I know I just talked about a whole bunch of other people, but you like get <laughs> communication and you are the messenger between the gods and you're super awesome and super great. And I know you're going to be in the middle of the sun really soon and the halo will illuminate you and honor you just the way we need to. Thank you. How my mouse works. Okay. We love you, Murky. Julian <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, brilliant answer. Um, Yolandi asked, uh, can some SM practices be seen as sex or death magic? For example, the practice of choking yourself. I'm, I'm going to say yes because, well, you've got the aspect, you've got taboo coming in there. You've got taboo and, coming and the, in. And the possible fear that, that uh, arises from that, which creates adrenaline, which brings you into an altered state of consciousness. Depending on how you use it and if you see it as taboo and fear or not, I suppose. If you've overcome that, it's a different story. But I I don't know. I would step, you know, this side of the line from saying death magic there because the goal is not death. Mm. The goal is greater stimulation. I mean, yeah. both are, are pushing 
adrenaline and fear and these these primal responses you know but um again it's tied up in attraction not repulsion mm. even though and, and mm, there's taboo in there there's all that breaking of taboo and everything else and you know humans do some weird sex shit like wow if you can if you can think of it there's porn for it right um is that rule 32 uh so i don't know it, it's their s and m bdsm has its own thing on paths to power <laughs> yeah. it's high stimulation of the physical body i mean gets its own own channel because it's useful but <laughs> and honestly i i don't see a lot of that kind of stuff like choking and bondage and um domination and submission and that sort of stuff i i don't see that as related to sex mm. not magically speaking because it's not um fertility and abundance it's desire yes but it's it's down that other path of physical stimulation well it can be used to create altered states of consciousness for particular purposes oh absolutely mm. i mean all all the paths to power do that that's their goal mm. An altered state of conscious with an abundance of energy usable for magic. Well, but then it becomes hyperstimulation. Right. And hyperstimulation can be tied up with sex through the lens of human reproduction again. Mm. But again, if we widen our idea out here for uh, fertility and abundance, you know, then that hyperstimulation is over here a little bit it's not quite on the mark as, as that point and i think that's important because this is an axis these are two points that are clearly opposite of one another rotating in a gravitational magnetic field for lack of a better analogy and we have <clears throat> narrowed sex down so far and compress death quite a bit too that we're losing the ends of our wand you know it's just going to be a, a pointy little stick <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. mean that everything fits in these containers either no i don't know if it's just because of my age but when i think of sex i don't even think of reproduction anymore right don't know is it an age thing <laughs> done that already <laughs> probably i mean even if we think in terms of you know um what do they call it biological imperative the idea that all life is driven to reproduce and replace itself mm. you know if you're past the age where you can effectively replace yourself which for humans takes like 20 years i mean we have a really extended childhood for mammals and and primates tend to have extended childhoods where you know the younger one is dependent upon 
the the parent generation for quite a while so once you're out of that range maybe it's you don't have the biological imperative anymore but mm. yeah i think there's there's more to it than that but mm. i mean when we think of sex past reproduction we think of pleasure and connection and union right even if it's not mm. union with another person as far as union for abundance it requires the pollen off the stigma to find the ovum one has to get to the other usually with the help of a pollinator or sometimes the wind but without that union the ovum doesn't get fertilized and no fruit no apples mm. you know so again two into one that that seeking of pleasure and yeah that's back to reproduction but a bigger bigger idea of it than just our own experience mm. uh, lady Capera said didn't get my donut today Revka. i'm actually going to start reading reading lady Capera's entire message emojis and everything just for the fun of it <laughs> so it will be Emergency medical heart monkey didn't get my donut today. Rev Kai, um, moon alien moon. <laughs> moon alien moon. <laughs> what is the password to enter at midnight? Moon alien moon emoji. Said <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm almost sixty years old. Hell no, I wouldn't want one of me replica or crotch goblin at this age. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> you didn't read the whole thing oh sorry <laughs> sorry um youtube monkey i'm almost 60 years old now oh no i wouldn't want to me me replica or crotch goblin at this age laugh my fucking ass off um a laughing face which is sweating <laughs> cup of coffee pine tree moon alien moon here we go this sounds like somebody very poorly reading hieroglyphs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bird and then a squiggly line and a squiggly line and then a hand and then a bowl and then some more squiggly lines and then a different bird. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I meant. I, I do. <laughs> uh, uh, look, serious question. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Sex reproduces serotonin, serotonin and human stimuli. Uh, not only reproduces humans, but can re reproduce feel-good chemicals. Very true. Very true. Very true. Yes, that's a good comment. And the vast majority of people are not um, pursuing sex for purely human reproduction every single time they pursue are again mm. our narrow definition of human sex and i say human reproductive sex because that's the idea that is regularly associated with paganism that's what people go to when you say sex in a pagan context they go to penis and vagina uh, reproductive mm. sex and we need to get away from that we need to have a much broader view sure that's part of it not excluded from that but it's a lot bigger 
and that bigger picture will serve us much better and we won't have all of these ridiculous problems we have um where people say they you know are inclusive of lgbt people and then only do rights that are focused on heterosexual reproductive sex you know mm. don't do that you know so and i think it's it again it's one of those core fundamental worldview kind of things if you you move your understanding and your your baseline the tree that grows out of it will be fruitful and with what you want instead of what you don't want mm. oh lady Kapura said well done thank you <laughs> leave it to another witch to be like no you said you'd do the thing <laughs> now you have to do the thing <laughs> Notice she gave me a break there. Yeah. No emojis. <laughs> very sweet of you, lady. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> no, I love all of your emojis. I do as well. They're fun. All right. Have we got anything else? Has anybody got any questions? Before we disappear come to the end of our time together yes we have almost two hours nearly the end of my tea I made a very big mm. cup today i mean look this is ridiculous right <laughs> in scale I've, I've, only got, I've only got a small cup which is why i need two ah this is like a 20 ounce mug i mean i bought well, it because well, it's it's completely it's black inside and the glaze is ever so slightly swirled in the bottom. So it's really good for reading tea leaves because it's just, it's this black mirror you can dive into forever. <laughs> <laughs> Kai, where did you go into my cup? Yeah, yeah. I used to have a big, huge scrying bowl that I made that was a good oh two foot across that we would pour black ink into and scry all together in the coven but i broke it so oh, no. <laughs> it happens <laughs> <laughs> i think i made it when i was 16 17 mm. so yeah, it's been around a while was it a black ball yeah it was a big slab construction and then there was a a snake that swirled around with the head in the center that was raised up just slightly and it was all glazed black you could only see the snake mm. at certain angles because of the way it was glazed um but then we would make an uh, octopus ink up an inky uh, liquid and pour that in on top of it to scry mm. and it was it was the never-ending black depths amazing i should make another one Mm. Lady Capera said, YouTube, I dropped my black mirror and broke it. I release you from that oath. Uh <laughs> that, mean, that means you have, hang on, negative seven years. You, you have seven years good luck. There you go. Because it's a black mirror? Because it's black mirror. So it's yeah. opposite? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm clumsy. I break shit all the time. I... Just, I'll make the shits up as I go along. So yeah, 
I just salt it and be like, sorry, man, you got a problem. Tell me, don't just curse me with shit. You know? <laughs> I'll pay, but I break shit all the time. <laughs> um, Deborah asks, how do you powder your eggs, blender, or tomato plants? I only save the eggshells. And um, honestly, I just kind of pound them in my mortar and pestle for my tomato plants. I really don't worry about getting them to a powder. Um, I know plenty of people that put them in the blender. I used to put them in the blender. I used to put them in the coffee grinder. I don't like cleaning all that stuff out of there. <laughs> and it felt mm. wasteful to me. So I used to just grind them up. And I don't, I mean, little eighth inch pieces or something, whatever. Uh, it's not, the finer you make it, the more quickly the plant will take it up. But the purpose of eggshells for tomatoes is calcium to prevent blossom end rot. They don't need that until fairly late in the season. So I don't worry about getting it too tiny. Mm. Have the garden uh, section on the end of every show. <laughs> yeah, careful, careful. They might start talking about the cost again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually making bone meal right now. I'm Made a big batch of broth, and then I take all the bones and defat them, and then <clears throat> put them in the dehydrator. And I love watching them go from like you know yellow bones, kind of red that have been soaked in broth. They look like broth, and then they dry out, and they look all white, and the marrow gets all porous and everything else. And it's it's always like oh there's death, bleached white bones with nothing left. And then you can just powder them just by rubbing it in your fingers because. They've had mm. all the calcium leached out of them. Uh, Julian said, all sounds fucking divine. Yes. It does, unfortunately. Oh, and then Lady Capra said, then the bottom fell out my Excalibur glass mug. Oh, my. And I'm not going to try and describe that face. <laughs> yes. It's like <laughs> painful anger. But yeah. I've made that face on the toilet before, so, you know. Oh, honey. Yeah. Age. Eat, eat yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Love your intestines, for they are like a labyrinth. No, I won't go down that track again. <laughs> All right, we're definitely talking shit now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fermented foods are good for you. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I think we should end today. <laughs> Before we get oh. more silly. Yeah. <laughs> um, next week we are talking about runic magic, and we have a suspicion that will become a series like the Astrology series. Uh, so we'll probably do more of that. Uh, I said frustrated face, frustrated face, breaking shit daily. Yeah. 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 So I got the shit right, at least. <laughs> you know that one. Yeah, you I know, know one. your shit. <laughs> it's the poop. <laughs> Always love watching people yeah. read that as poop emoji. Like, no, yeah, man. It's the happy, it's the happy poop. The happy poop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's... Well, you can't have a happy poop with a frustrated face. 
All right. Anyway, yes, definitely talking <laughs> shit. Okay. So next week we are talking about runic magic, which will. And if you haven't checked out our links in the description, please do so. You can find us on Discord and Facebook, uh, and the Wildwood Temple, and you can join our Patreon or Ko-fi to watch our reviews. Blah 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 blah. Thank uh, you Lady all Crow for said... being here today. Yes, thank you. Today was actually quite very fun. Um, Lady Kapoor said, "Thank you both. I'll rewatch from beginning, piece all." Yeah, first half was actually really was, was quite interesting. Wasn't nearly as goofy. Um, no, but not as thank goofy. you all for for sticking with us to the end through mm. all of the. <laughs> The rambling and the crazy. We quite enjoy it. We really appreciate you yes. being here. You all deserve a, a medal. I thought you something. were going to say a poo emoji. Let's give everybody a poop emoji. Happy <laughs> poop. Yes. Yes, everyone deserves good bowel movements. I was going to say. <laughs> good digestive system to everybody, yes. There's your blessing for today. I mean, really, okay. when it comes to blessings... That's a useful one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Okay, so Julian is shitting all over the place. There we go. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in the chat. We really enjoyed it. Hope you did too. And we will definitely see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the about section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.